Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Larry Jacobs. This is Pre-K-12 Education Talk Radio on the 30th of January, 2024. Almost at 2023. It's 2024. Thanks for being with us today. We have a wonderful guest for you today. Serena Sowen is here. Serena is a, is a former United States Marine. Thank her very much for this we're doing that. I really mean that. Serena is also a board-certified behavior analyst and school psychology advisor. Works with a company called BlazerWorks, and that's at BlazerWorks.com. I have it linked here. You'll probably want to check that out by the time we're done. She's got decades of experience in public education as a school psychologist, as a board-certified behavior analyst, etc. Now she works in advising school districts all over the country after all her work with uh, case management, counseling, uh, adolescents, etc., even in the juvenile justice system. And um, she wants to talk about today supporting unique challenges of military family students who have special needs. And uh, I, I, I I've been dying to do this show. We were going to do it in early January, and I got sick with COVID, and we kept having to Postpone it and postpone it. We finally have it together today. I just want you to know we're going to archive the show over at ace-ed.org, A-C-E-E-D.org. <clears throat> That's the home website of our American Consortium for Equity in Education. So please go over there and check out everything we're doing over there. All the podcasts, all the I can't talk today. All our podcasts are over there. Our uh, magazine Equity and Access with a special issue on all the Equity Awards winner within the industry. Okay, plus a ton of other information. So please check it all out. It's all free over at ace-ed.org. And without further ado, literally, because it's been like three weeks, hi, Serena So, and it's Larry here. <laughs> Good morning, Larry. It is so great to finally connect with you, and thank you for that wonderful introduction. Yeah, I, I do you enjoy this, uh, the introduction should go on for hours and hours or really something. Okay, you're going to heaven, just so you know that. Mention my name. Okay, send me your address. All right, that's great. Appreciate that, I, I, I'm going to ask two things. For how long have you? How long were you a Marine? How long have you been out? Whatever. What did you do? Oh, what did you do as a U.S. Marine? You know, the halls I was, of Montezuma, I, literally. Yeah, I yeah. was just reflecting. It's been nearly 20 years since I enlisted. It seems crazy to think about it in terms of decades, um, but it's been that long. Yeah, I enlisted in um, about December of 2004, and um, I was very young, straight out of high school, and I knew I wasn't ready for college, um, but I didn't want to do any kind of, um, you know, retail job or things like that, so I kind of enlisted on a whim, and my MOS, or Military Occupation Specialty, was Logistics Embarkation Specialist. Sounds fancy, but it really was a lot of math and um, just kind of calculating the load capacities of aircraft and military vehicles, things of that nature. Wow, and and, and I want to I want to make a special note because this week, just, and you certainly know this, everybody knows this, we had three Army reservists unfortunately killed in Jordan. Okay, mm-hmm. and it just speaks okay to uh, what our armed forces go up against every day. Okay, and they were support unit two. 
All right, and it's just so important. It puts uh, put you and puts others into the line of danger that most of us don't go into. So I want to give you a big hearty thanks, in re- and especially in regards to their memory this week. It's really it's really something what you do. So I thank you for doing that. Everybody thanks you for doing that. Believe me, Serena. Okay, thank you. it's good stuff. So what? Yeah, I mean it. So what got you into education? Obviously, you weren't in it when you joined the Marines. <laughs> No, yeah, it's kind of a weird and I don't want to say unique because I do think every educator has their own special background that just drew them into the field of education. Um, But I remember after getting back from deployment and kind of readjusting to figuring out what am I going to do next in life? Um, I went to San Jose State University in the Bay Area. And during that time, I just happened to fall into a nonprofit role where I case manage at-risk adolescents. So teenagers who were kind of in and out of the juvenile justice system, like you had mentioned in the intro, um, and they all had different learning needs and were gang affiliated, had traumatic backgrounds, and I was kind of a mentor for them. Um, And that's when I realized my passion for really supporting those diverse kiddos with maybe disadvantaged um, upbringings. And I navigated my way into school psychology after that. Wow, good for you. Well, good for you. That's real. That's really something. I, I, I got to tell you, you've had a wonderful thing. You worked again in residential treatment facilities. You worked in the juvenile justice system. You've helped kids, and of course, with your background, you're interested in the military families. And on that note, okay, I want to make this point. You are a Blazer Works school psychology advisor, and I was not familiar to Blazer with Blazer Works. I am now because I looked on the website and all that. But just tell people about Blazeworks. I just want to make that point and give them a little uh, give them a little publicity here before we get into the military family side. Just yeah, talk about Blazeworks and how you work with them. Yeah, I do. Yes, I am fortunate enough to have been with Blazeworks for a little over a year now. Um, we are part of an advisory team where essentially our job and our passion is to partner with school districts. Um, primarily special ed directors, educators, um, the special educators specifically, and really help with the mentorship. And as part of that, really promote that professional development, the competence, and the retention rates. Um, So we do a lot of coaching, mentoring, professional development, and just kind of conflict management to promote that overall capacity and to just partner and provide that support that's very much needed in education. Yeah, it's really something I didn't know the company existed. It's got, to me, a very unique niche within within education. They are advisors to special mm-hmm. ed, okay? And I think that's absolutely fascinating, okay? And, and, and they do staff, you know, obviously some staffing work and all that sort of thing, but in an advisory capacity. I don't want to get into what they do, but I, I'm going to learn more about them. Of course, it's Blazer. If anybody wants to learn about it, it's BlazerWorks, one word, Dot com and I do have it linked over here. It's cool. Okay, I just think it's really cool. Somebody came up with a good idea that works. Okay, so I'm glad that I like it when good ideas work in education. That's good stuff, and obviously they got great people here. So we, we did that. Now, talk about, are, are you working, when you work with LaserWorks, are you working now strictly with the military side, or how, how's it all coming together? Because we want to talk about the unique challenges of the military families, okay, when their kids have special needs. And, and I, I want to make a note here, the Department of Defense, okay, education activity tools will move students with learning disabilities, this is according to a report, 
into general ed classrooms, which I think is usually pretty good by the 24-25 season, school year. I'm sure, see, I'm thinking of football, school year, okay? <laughs> um, they had too much football on TV over the last few weeks, all right? Um, for the 2024-25 school year, all right? And that's not uncommon. There's a say there's a staffing shortage in special ed. It makes sense in that regard. It must be very difficult in the military schools. And B, it's just a kind of thing. So well, what, talk, talk about how this and how it fits in with Serena and LaserWorks and how, what schools need to know. Go ahead. People are interested yeah. in this. This is a great topic. Well, I'm happy to share a little bit about what we do in terms of supporting educators who work with special ed kids. Um, in my role, I don't specifically work with educators who support um, transient students, but that doesn't mean that the educators I do support um, don't that doesn't mean that they're disconnected in that sense, right? Um, I right. might support school right. psychologists who are evaluating kiddos who are transient. Um, primarily, our job here is to help build that connection and networking for our educators. So some, sometimes our educators are dealing with behavioral challenges um, or they're feeling burnt out. And in that sense, we're really coming in as a partner and a mentor for them. And in helping the educators, we're kind of indirectly supporting all students, whether they're gen ed students or students on IEPs. Um, but it is a very unique population. Like you said, Larry, these kiddos have a, you know, they have a special place in my heart in terms of their background. Um, being trained sure. is not easy. And a lot of the time, these kiddos don't have control in where they go and what school they land in or what teacher they have. Um, so it's really trying to help our educators build that capacity to support, get to know their students, build that strong rapport, um, and give them the tools to really support these students. Yeah, and it adds an extra layer to the challenge uh, you know, of, special, of teaching special education, especially in this era, as I said, when there's a shortage. Okay, of, uh, by the way, everybody, school psychologists, you can go right down the whole list, school counselors, et cetera, et cetera. There's a shortage out there, okay? And you add to the challenge for a child and for the, for mom and dad who are in the military, okay? They're they're, they're all, sudden, all of a sudden they're plopped into a new school. Mom and dad are transferred around. It's hard enough for for just a, 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 any kid, okay, to to make those changes. And I know a lot of the kids get used to it over the years. But when you're in special ed, it's a whole different thing, all right? Mm -hmm. And the challenge. Okay, is that again? Most teachers, as as as, as wonderful as teachers are, they're not trained in special ed. Most teachers are. Okay, and okay. all of a sudden these yeah, these kids are in. Talk talk about just just talk about this. What should military families be aware of? What should schools be aware of as all this is happening? Because it's really it's it's quite a lot of layers to this onion. I got to tell you. I love this question, Larry, because it really sheds the light on let's be a little bit more proactive and collaborative in how we're supporting these kiddos coming in or these students who are leaving our school. Um, like you said, there is a staffing shortage nationwide, and that oh, just yeah. means that we're at a lesser capacity to support. We maybe have fewer resources, less time, more caseload. So um, I think that proactive communication between families and school is going to be dynamic it's going to have to be ongoing and continuous and kind of that open trust and collaboration is going to be key. Um, thinking from the family side of things, though, I think with students who 
they maybe get like a 30 day notice. Honestly, that's what I got when I, yeah, exactly. um, they, got, yeah. they sent me a 10 page letter saying, yeah, you're leaving out of the country. And there's very little say that you have in that. So sometimes you think 30-day notice is adequate, but to some students, that's not enough time to transition to say bye to their friends, um, to really make that adjustment smooth, right? So um, for military families, I think being open and honest with the students, communicating very thoroughly, giving them some semblance of control in how they want to celebrate their time, um, and then really making sure that the, the parents are getting copies of any document that's going to help the new incoming receiving school um, plan for their services, get things going as quickly as possible. Because um, we don't want that 30-day transition to turn into 60 days where there's just a lack of paperwork to really facilitate those um, necessary services and support. And, but do, are the kids, and, and again, military kids, they're a special breed in themselves, if I may, they're, they they are, they are used to being transient for obvious reasons, mom and dad, okay? And again, special ed kids are, are special in their own way, all right? Mm -hmm. But are they, are they, is it easier for a military kid to handle, which I, and I'm trying to ask in terms of what a teacher should expect. Is a military kid, is it easier for that kid, if it's special ed or not, to, to be transient and work their way into a new classroom? How's it all? And I don't know a lot about this, but it's it's really a special, if I may use the overuse the word, a special challenge out there. Mm -hmm. Okay, what is, yeah, how, do, how does a, a teacher handle this child who, you know, has extremely special needs and is trans? I mean, the, the teacher side of it is, is, is hard. Yeah, so, you know, Absolutely. it's amazing. Difficult. I think it's difficult on all ends, right? It may be challenging for the parents. It's especially challenging for the students. But it can also kind of throw the whole classroom environment into kind of a little bit exactly. of a transition adjustment period. It's not just the teachers, it's the rest of the class as well. Um, so I think for educators, again, making sure we have the most up-to-date records, right? There's a difference between like an annual IEP versus a triannual IEP. Um, sometimes we do need that evaluation and not just the IEP because we need to know present levels and all the testing data. So if teachers can gain, get access to that paperwork, that really helps paint the picture of these are where the students' needs are. Maybe they have a behavior plan, maybe they don't. But it's good for us to have that baseline data to then figure out where can we support and how intensively do we need to support. Um, and then honestly, having that new student coming in and being part of that collaboration in the classroom is gonna be so important. I actually was talking to a friend who is a military student or was, um, and he told me he transitions every single school year for 18 years of his entire pre-K well, to 12th grade career. Oh. It blew my mind. But something he and I chatted a lot about was having the incoming student partner with a peer who maybe has some understanding and connection to the military life. Um, having that other peer be the mentor and guiding the student around, supporting them, helping them kind of build that social capacity. Because you got to imagine these kiddos coming in, they're maybe internalizing their anxiety. They may be showing it in terms of behavior. Every student's going to react differently to these types of changes, even if they've been transient their whole life. But for educators to kind of prepare for that and partner the kiddo up with someone else. Um, can kind of take a lot of that stress load off the teacher themselves 
that also kind of keep those kiddos accountable and help them transition as um, seamlessly as possible. It, 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 it's just so fascinating. And, you know, what I, I think what we're talking about, Serena, is when, and I'll just I'll use uh, California as an example, a kid moves, parents move to Camp Pendleton, okay? They can be put into a pl- public school over there, okay? And that's what, that's what we're talking about. Are we talking about that or are we talking about defense department schools? I'm talking about public education because that's, that's primarily what, what my experience has been. Yeah, it's perfect. Okay. All right. So now, okay, it, it, doing it in public education, and the, and the teachers have to understand that the parents have to start advocating for the kids now, again and again, and make a whole new set of networking and all that. All right. Mm-hmm. I, I have to ask. I'm just going to ask it because you might know this. Okay. Let's just say the parents are stationed in Japan. Okay, a, a U.S. military family in Japan, Germany, wherever the case may be. But they're going to go to a defense department school, not a, not a German public school, okay? And I'm just curious, are, are the, and maybe you don't even know this, are the defense department schools better prepared to handle a special ed, ed kid that's transient? Do you, you know that? That's How a great the, question, Larry. And unfortunately, I don't have background in um, schools outside of the U.S. or with military-specific uh, schools in like bases and things like that, but I'd love to follow up with you after digging a little yeah, bit deeper I, in the research. I would love you to do that. We could do some more on this because to me, it's absolutely fascinating. And I, I wrote this in here, you know, we are talking about the, the children of the people who volunteer to defend our country. Okay. This is the one group that you want to do the best on, you know, mm-hmm. you want to do the very best. Okay. Best you can. All right, and, and that's why this is so darn important. Are the public schools around the base? Let's go back to the U.S. Are they pretty? Are they, are they pretty well acclimated to working with military families, or how, how's that put together? That, that's a whole other world. That's another great question, and I can speak to it that from a little bit of experience. Um, I live in Colorado Springs, and as we know, in the Springs there's like the a Academy. few military bases. Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, sure. So. Fortunately, I was part of a district that had what they called like a military liaison. I'm going to butcher their actual title, but essentially what they did was um, they had connections to community resources for military families that are either um, they just moved in or they're transitioning out. So the liaison really helped connect the families and the students to resources that the school maybe didn't know about or didn't have access to. Um, so I found that very fascinating because that doesn't exist in other areas that I've worked in. Um, so that was one really amazing uh, kind of resource that I think the district was very clever in developing. Um, and we partnered with that liaison person quite a bit to really facilitate those um, ongoing community to school resources and services. Right, and, and, that's, and that's wonderful to hear, by the way. That is a military town, okay, mm-hmm. Colorado Springs, okay? And that's good to hear the school district figure that out, okay, and makes it work because you, you want these kids to shine as best you can, and I just think that's, that's just great. When you, what are the questions? How, well, let me ask it differently. How often do you, Serena, work with the military side of all this? Okay, how often does that come up? In a, in a public school, all right? Yeah, Is that what you specialize in? But I think you do specialize in working with districts, whether the kids are military or not, okay? But you yourself, how often does this pop up? 
Or how often do they send you in, whatever the case may be? <laughs> yeah, I think as a school psychologist, you're kind of the, a lot of the time, like the record keeper. Um, I might get all the transition IEPs, and it's my job as the site to look through all that paperwork and figure out the background of the students. Sometimes it's very clear they're a military family. And in that sense, we try to schedule like a 30-day transition meeting if that's part of the district policy. Some districts, they just kind of run with the documents and they hold an annual whenever the annual is due. Um, so it's really following that district policy, but also as the school like being the person to review all those records, I try to connect with those families quickly and kind of more proactively, especially if it's a very extensive IEP with lots of services. Yeah. Um, and you have to keep in mind, state-to-state -state transfer can be very varied. <laughs> um, so with eligibility, a kiddo might qualify for a disability or an eligibility in California, whereas in Colorado, it's a whole different eligibility category. So in those cases, you have to reach out to the parents and request for more testing um, or you know, additional information to really make sure that they meet the state-specific criteria. So in that sense, it's a lot more partnership and clear communication. Um, and some of these students being as transient as they may be, they might have had lots of gaps in their educational um, history. Sure. So it's, it's really getting a sense of, is this a, an area that we have to further evaluate and further provide services? Um, or is the student gonna be able to catch up if they've missed three months of school with the transition? Um, so it really depends on how much transition they've had in looking through the records. Um, and that really prompts how much I'm connecting with the family and, and what capacity I'm doing that in. And you just said something that fascinated me, which is something I wasn't thinking about. The, the, the financial burden of, of a special ed student is higher, it should be, okay? But that's but the military family we're talking about that transferred in, let's say from wherever to Colorado Springs, okay? The money, it's state money, it's not Department of Defense money that's helping these kids? That's state money? Help I me, I'm not going to pretend I'm not The Department of Defense, okay, and their whole education system, they have one, okay? Aren't they, they should be, if they're not, this is amazing to me, they should be covering the cost of a military family special ed, even if they go into a public district, okay? Because it's a military family. In other words, if the, if the I'm going to just say this, and I don't even know if this is accurate, but let's just say in Washington State, they, they, they put more funding in special ed, and the parents are there, and then they put them, pardon me for saying this, don't be mad at me, anybody, like into Louisiana, where the funding may be a lot less. I'm not picking on Louisiana, I'm just using an example, okay? The Department of Defense isn't picking that up. Serena, we got to talk about this. We got to make that happen. Mm. Yeah, that was a good point. Yeah, no, you're right in terms of kiddos with IEPs. They do bring in more money for the district, but that money comes from somewhere, and it is very unlikely it comes from the military. Um, oh man, that's a good point. Yeah, it is a good point. Okay, because you know, I, I, I'll say it again. These are the volunteers that protect our country. These are their kids. Okay. And the fact that we're transferring them, there's 50 different education systems, 50 different ways of funding, 50 different states. 
okay? And, you know, we we got to make sure that these kids are taken care of. It needs to be fun. Do you agree with me, Serena? Do you I agree with me? I have a petition happening in the near future for this topic here, Larry. Yeah, I would agree that there is some responsibility on the military side of things. Absolutely. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great conversation to continue having. Yeah, yeah. we got to do this, Serena. This is really important, okay? It's, it's, it's unbelievable if it was the other way around, i got to tell you. Okay, so when you go in, what's the what? You've seen students succeed. You've seen school districts succeed at helping particularly special ed kids whose parents are military, okay, uh, okay, and have been transferred just in. What's the key? To, is the key to success communication? Where, where's the key to success for the school district and for the family? You just hit the nail on the head. It is communication. There you go. Thank you. That's because I have a good teacher, you. That's because yeah. I have a good teacher, you. <laughs> And it's also collaborative problem solving. We are partners and we might have a different path to get to the same goal, but we have the same goal. And it's to make sure the student is So sometimes we take a detour and it doesn't work, right? Sometimes accommodations don't actually best serve the student and it's okay. We can figure it out and call a meeting and kind of revise that plan. Um, But it's really that collaboration. It's truly also communication. I do think that if there's something going on with the student, if they're struggling with transitions, then the parents, uh, I would love to hear that from the parents than to have the school receive the student and find out the hard way, right? Proactive communication is also very important. And and, you know, it's funny with me, and this is just a prejudice I have, which is a ridiculous one. Okay, whenever I picture in a conversation like this about special ed teachers and special ed kids, I always picture elementary school. Okay, I always pick elementary school just in my head, all right, which I know is totally ridiculous because we're K-12, all right? And, you know, when, when you bring in a kid who is needs special ed, all right, and goes into a district and they're an 11th grader, all right, how do you coordinate not only with the special, maybe you don't, I don't know, maybe it's just with the special ed, but with the special ed department and all the teachers, a lot of these kids are going to move right into general education classes. The history teacher, the math teacher, they all have to understand what's going on. And they have to understand that this kid, like you said, may have transitioned 12 times in 12 years. My dad are in the Navy. Okay. Yeah. And, yeah, you know, so how do you, how do you work it when they, when, they, when they transfer in, let's say, to a senior high school? Which is a lot, you know, to me, would be a lot harder than in, in, into an elementary school. Yeah, I I can see both sides of it. I can see being an older adolescent and having a lot more autonomy and a lot more awareness of what they might need, right? I would even have that adolescent help guide us in terms of what's worked for you and what hasn't worked for you. Great point. Great point. So for those younger kiddos, they might not have the words or the skills to really voice um, what's worked and what hasn't. But I love the adolescent age because they are their own person. And they actually try to let them lead IEP meetings even. Um, by the time, I think in most days, it's 14 or 15 years old, they kind of run their own meetings, which is incredible. Yeah, you're not the boss of that. me. want to teach you're them right. about leadership and not advocacy. Yeah. So I think if they can get the opportunity to do that, then they will be very successful. Um, but it's also, you know, all kids with IEPs have a case manager, and that case manager is 
likely get the person responsible for helping to disseminate key information, to call these meetings to get all eight to 10 high school teachers on the same page. Um, and then you have the mental health staff to come in and support exactly. some of those well. higher level needs. Um, when I actually transitioned mid-year, not military related, but I did transition mid-year in high school, the gen ed counselor was my person. Um, so uh -huh. I think making sure a high school student has a person, whether it's their related service provider or their case manager, or maybe even their academic counselor, giving them that check-in person is gonna help them feel more comfortable and just, you know, as transition as easy as possible. Right, I, I think, how did, how did Blazer Works ever find you? Okay, they are very lucky. Oh, thank you, Larry. I actually found them. Um, and they don't, was, they, I, then let me just say it the other way. They don't know how lucky they are. Right? I oh, hope they know you. how lucky they are. Right? I, yeah? Wow. That's very nice of you to say. Thank you. It's true. I mean, you, you, A, you know your stuff, and B, this is such an important thing that you do. Okay? And I think what they, I have to say this again, I didn't know this company existed until I met you. Okay, and I've been researching it and all that, and I just find it fascinating that they're advisors to school special ed, and I think that's great. And I think that by having you there and with what you bring to the party, I think it's just unbelievable. We're going to do more together. We're going to stay in touch. Is that okay? Wonderful. I would love that, yes. I would love it, too. I hope you had a good time today because I sure did. It's wonderful to meet you, Serena. It really is. Wonderful to meet you, and thank you so much for all the reschedule, and I'm very glad it worked out and that we got to connect today. You get the you get the big thank you from me, okay? Thank you for rescheduling and all that sort of stuff, because I couldn't wait to do this show. So we're going to do some more together, okay? We'll stay in touch, I promise, all right? Thank you, Larry. Take care. Thank you. Take care. You too. Enjoy Colorado Springs, because I live in Maine, and we're covered with snow, okay? Oh, that's How's awesome. Colorado? Yeah. Enjoy the winter. <laughs> but that's what we have to do here in Maine, yeah. and you enjoy that beautiful weather over there, okay? Thanks, Serena. Thank Bye-bye. Talk Bye. again. Bye. Wow, is she? She's great. Okay, that's Serena Sohn. Serena, Serena at BlazerWorks.com. Okay, we're going to do more with that. I find this whole thing fascinating. All right. Well, archive over at Ace-Ed.org. My name is Larry Jacobs. Thanks for listening, everybody. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.